Richardson takes it off! A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson! Really? He could be in here, he's all alone, he's gone! Sensation at Wembley from Sunderland! McKinney! Welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland preview show in association with Viper Goalkeeping. It's been a week without club football, and whilst we would normally welcome the break, Sunland are in such good form, we can't really deny that we have missed it. However, the same could be said of our opponents this Saturday, who, although they haven't had a weekend break, they have been enjoying their football. And in fact, at the time of speaking, while this may change on Monday if Burton win, they currently sit joint top of the league with ourselves after 12 points from six games. And most importantly, I'm delighted to welcome back a returning guest who was on the show last season. We have Accurate and Bourne but long-term Canadian living, Tony from Stanley Podcast Across the Pitch. Tony, it's been a while. Um, Things haven't changed too much, but changed enough to get fans in. But how are you doing anyway? You okay? I'm doing well, Graham, and uh, thanks for having me back on. I enjoyed it last time, and uh, um, hopefully... um... We, uh, as a result of what we did last time, I don't think either one of us predicted the right score, but uh, not that 3 3 uh game. Uh, but anyway, uh, hopefully, um, uh, we'll have a good visit, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you about uh, next week. We're talking about that game, I was thinking back, and I listened back to our previous podcast, and I was thinking none of us even went close to the 3 3. I think. Someone won a big, big downturn at that point. Thankfully, it feels a million, a million years ago now. But crazy game last time. We we both uh, we both chatted, wasn't it? In the end, yeah. And I think uh, Stanley at that point were um, not around. Well, not be, going to be ma- making the playoffs. Uh, but they really did some damage uh, at the last part of the season, uh, taking Portsmouth out. Really taking four mm-hmm. points out out of six from Portsmouth, uh, getting a point with you guys. And uh, uh, I think they last all their last four matches were a top, against the top six or seven t- in teams, and they and they came away with results in all of them. So I think it was a good a good sign for uh, the season, and I think it built up a lot of hope uh, for Stanley fans to build on based on uh, the, the way they finished the season and the fact that really they, they are bringing a lot of the same team back. I think, as I was sort of saying in the intro, that brings me perfectly probably onto my first question, but it's been a, a flying start for Accrington, really. There's been two defeats, fair enough, but wins over Cambridge, Crew, Shrewsbury, Doncaster. You may be second by the time this gets officially released, but at the time of speaking, you're, you're currently top and there's only Burton, I think, that could overtake you with a win on, on Monday. Um, but the mood must be quite good at the, the WAM Stadium right now. How's, how's things from an, an Accrington viewpoint? I think positive because... When you looked at the the season, the beginning of the season, uh, and this is what we've discussed on on our podcast, is that it was important really to get off to a good start because of the teams that they were facing in the first five or six weeks uh, were teams that if you want to make the playoffs or you want to challenge, 
you've got to get results against them. Um, and sorry, that's the phone ringing. That's um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> live recording. Um, anyway, the, um, uh, yeah, they, we were expecting, you know, hoping really, I should say, to get positive results against those teams. And, and really, they've come away with, if you look at the score lines, uh, they really haven't uh, uh, put anybody away in the sense of scoring more than two goals. I mean, generally, if you look, they, 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 it's a typical Stanley win is a one nothing win, a clean sheet and uh, get a goal. And then and then in the last few minutes, they sort of sit back and, and defend. But it's positive to answer your question around uh, around Stanley. I, and I think uh, very hopeful because of the fact we're playing not with our first team. We're playing with players that are coming in. Uh, we've got people, a couple of players away on international duty, but most for the most part, um, we've got a, a couple of injuries. Our captain, Seamus Keneally, has not even played yet. Um, and uh, so I think, yeah, very, uh, very thankful for the results that we've been getting, considering we're not at full strength. I suppose away from the actual football, before we dig deep into the form in this season, unbeknown to obviously people who won't have listened to the show last season, if, if you did, obviously, you know this story. But obviously, you, you live in Toronto, Tony, you make you know five, six, seven games per season when COVID's not a thing. Um, although fans are back in the stadium in the national travel as we've both kind of discussed off air it's not exactly the, the same as it was um, have you been able to get any plans put together for coming over this season or is COVID just nullifying everything in terms of flights from Canada for you to be able to get back to the warm stadium well the, the problem I was having because we usually come over for a couple of months and uh, is the accommodation that I had been getting is uh, the people have sold up and uh, so I can't rent it anymore. So the problem I'm running into is the earliest I can sort of get over is for the uh, beginning of next season. Um, but if things, if they do get to Wembley, um, things will change because I might have to make a flying visit over from uh, Toronto to uh, London and uh, catch the, catch the match at Wembley. If, if, we're one of the only two teams that have made Wembley. And so there's always that fingers crossed that this season will be the year we make it to, stand, uh, to Wembley. I was going to say, it's like with Sunderland, I think I've been every time I've been, we got beat. And the one time we got there and won, obviously it was behind closed doors. So Wembley, good memories for me from an England perspective, horrendous from Sunderland. But I do hope you get there. I didn't actually realise you. Have you never been there before? No. The Crawley and Accrington Stanley are the only two teams that have never made it to uh, play at Wembley. Uh, so we don't want to be the last team standing. We'd like to get there. And, and I, I don't know if it's through the Papa John trophy or, uh, or we get to buy the playoffs, but, um, uh, either way, it, it's, it's a trip that I will probably have to make. I never knew that. It's a good bit of football trivia that didn't know there was only two teams, league teams, I would assume that haven't, uh, haven't made Wembley just yet. Good bit of football trivia there. Um, as it is, we're, we're speaking on the Saturday directly after the game because obviously talking about international travel, I'm away in Berlin next week. Um, so we're talking straight after your game against Shrewsbury pretty much more or less a couple of hours afterwards. So we'll begin with that, really. Um, it seems like a good performance. Obviously, I've watched the, the minute highlights, which you can't really make your mind up on, but plenty of shots on target. And obviously, a new striker who's on loan from Burnley, Joel Mombongo, got his, his first goal. Um, how was the performance? I think it was good. If you want to give it sort of out of 10, I'd give it a, a seven, six and a half or seven. It wasn't, it was a workmanlike performance, if you want to say that. Um, it wasn't a slick football or uh, pleasing to the eye the way that 
John Coleman likes to play. Um, I think it was a little scrappy at times, but as far as, um, you know, they took, they did take uh, uh, the chance of the one opportunity from Mumbongo, uh, but they, they could have had a couple others. The positive thing is they're creating chances. Uh, so I think the goals will come. Um, Colby Bishop seems to be uh, coming into form. And I think uh, because of the uh, rumors around him uh, going to Peterborough, uh, I think there was a couple offers coming in late on transfer day. And I think once that was put to bed and they played all, uh, played Barrow in the uh, Papa John's and he really had a super game. So I think he's, he's going to come out of it now because of that, that that's not playing on his mind. And the same with Dion Charles, he's away in Northern I- for Northern Island, Island. And I think when he comes back, I think you'll see him pick it up. And, and the two of them really, uh, if you look at the performance last year are probably uh, as good a one-two punch as, as you're going to see in League One. And there, there might be a couple others out there, but I put them up there in the top three or four uh, striking combinations in, in League One. I was going to say, we're talking about Dion Charles. Obviously, he was away today and replaced by Mumbongo. Um, he's only scored one league goal last, this season so far. I know it's early doors. Um, phenomenal season last year. And, and same with Kobe Bishop. You touched on Kobe Bishop maybe having, not maybe his head turned, but maybe head elsewhere because of rumours going around him. I saw that Dion Charles was linked to, I think, Bristol City at some point. I think even Nottingham Forest were looking after him as well. Ipswich were looking at him as well. Ipswich. Well, Ipswich look at everyone, to be fair, yeah. at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that, obviously, or when you look at the stats, one goal, four or five games, do you think it's affected him, that the rumours, or is that just a case of maybe just not informed for other reasons? No, I think it has affected them because... Um, both of these, both these uh, lads came from non-league, and uh, you know they've really picked, uh, uh, really picked up their form last season. And uh, I think then you know they're in in a position where this is this is new stuff to them because you know they've not been sort of coded before by other teams. And I think it it had to play on their minds. And I think once that's um, uh, the transfer window's gone by and and um, Charles comes back. He's got something to prove, and I, I think you'll see them both both kicking off. And uh, Mumbongo, he's 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 raw. He's got he's got talent, and I think he's going to play a role in the uh, it coming in off the bench around that sixty minute mark. Whereas, where if one of those guys are uh, are, are not having a, a good game, then you'll see Mumbongo come on. But also this this new lad they they brought in. Um, uh, Joe Van Malcolm, he's on season line, uh, season long loan from uh, West Brom. Um, I like the look of him. He was only on a few minutes, but he's got pace and he's got that football savvy. And I think, I think, uh, as far as the striking strike force is concerned, we've got four four decent players that uh, one was not a, not playing well, the other one will come in and pick up their pick up the slack. Because Mumbongo, obviously, unbeknown to some people, comes from Burnley. Um, yep. young sort of uh, pacey player from what I've seen but I haven't seen too much of him but it was his first start today wasn't it so one start one goal technically yeah he's 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 uh, he's come on in previous matches and uh, right now he's he just needs some playing time he's he's struggling yeah. a little bit uh, just finding finding where the net is and his timing uh, and and as a striker we all know that need that comes with playing more uh, playing more minutes so I'm. I think he's going to be he's going to be pushed too with this uh, Malcolm uh, lad that came in, uh, which is good because uh, 
you've you've got either one of these guys coming off the bench, and uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna drop anything when these guys come on. I've noticed a little bit as well with obviously Accrington's transfers. I think like most teams in this league, you do have you do have a turnover of players. Sunderland have had it almost season on season. Thankfully, it looks like our transfer recruitment has sorted itself out for once. But I think a lot of clubs naturally make almost double figure sort of changes to their squad. It just with the length of contracts and things like that. But loan moves are becoming more and more of a thing to become part of the squad because you can get really good young players getting in the, the cut and thrust of, of League One football. And I noticed that this season, maybe not all of them on loan, but a lot of the players that you've brought in have came from premiership clubs or, or high, clubs with highly rated academies. But um, I noticed that Jim Trafford's came in on loan as a goalkeeper. Obviously, he's not playing. Um, Malcolm, you touched on before, is obviously coming from West Brom. On top of that as well, there is um, Amanqua, who's came in from Man City. But it's yep. mainly Sam Shearing, I've noticed, that's been playing, obviously, today from Bournemouth. Um, is that a little bit of a shift in in the transfer market for John Coleman? Because he, he's known for kind of dipping into the, the non-league market and finding a gem. But I noticed he's done that and also brought in some premiership loans this season. Well, I think that's yeah, and you've I think you've summarized it quite well. Is that the players that they're bringing in on loan now, um, and this wasn't the case a, a few years ago. Uh, they're bringing them in from Premier League or Championship uh, clubs, which uh, tells me that these the the teams that are sending the players over have a lot of faith in John Coleman and and Jimmy Bell, uh, because we are bringing in top talent. Like last season, we had. Nathan Baxter for uh, from Chelsea, who, who was uh, really a top-notch keeper until he got injured. And that really was a downturn in, in the season. We might have had a chance at playoffs, but he went down and Seamus Keneally went down at the same time. Uh, Trafford is a nice, he's for 18 years old, he's very mature. He controls the box um, like a seasoned veteran. Uh, and, and really at this point, when you've got Toby Savin is only 20, um, you've got a really good combination. I, I mean, they're actually interchangeable. I might give the uh, give the nod to uh, to Trafford because of his, um, I should say, his, I know he's only eighteen, but his experience coming up through the uh, City Academy, and you can tell the you can tell he's got quality. And and, and, and yeah, I think I think in nets we're 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 in good shape. Uh, as you can see, we're getting we're getting uh, defensively, we're playing well, we're getting clean sheets. Uh, and even we lost uh, Cameron Burgess. He went to uh, to Ipswich, and that was a very sudden uh, departure uh, because he was one of the big signings last season. And I don't think um, uh, J- uh, John Coleman wanted to lose him, but it was the owner's decision uh, that I think he couldn't turn down the uh, the offer. Like a club like Stanley, part that's part of the revenue stream is is is, is selling players on if the price is right. Um, you know, so we, we don't have the big 30, 20, 30,000 fans in the stadium. So we have to sell a player when, when the, when the price is right, but bringing sharing has come in and he stepped into his spot and really, you know, then he got to Sykes at the back with Nottingham and, and defensively they're playing, I say it's better than last season. And, and we really haven't missed Mark Hughes, who was a mainstay at Stanley for, for several years. And went to Bristol City, uh, Bristol Rovers, I should say, and and I thought we'd miss him, but to be honest, it's fair to the uh, the back three, uh, they've picked up the slack, and 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 we haven't really missed Mark Hughes. Interesting, you mentioned about the the goalkeeping situation before, because I noticed Trafford mainly plays, but I know obviously last year, 
mainly the goalkeeper was uh, Savin. But Savin played today. Was that due down to Trafford being on maybe youth team in the national duty potentially? Yeah, I, I think he was away. Uh, but he's been the he's been the starting keeper uh, in league matches, and and Savin has played in the. Uh, Carling or uh, the League Cup and then the uh, Papa John, uh, but uh, even when he comes in, it's not it's not like you say, oh, we got the backup keeper in it. We mm-hmm. we don't look at Toby Savin as a backup keeper. He's it's like one A, one and one A, really. Because I was watching the crew game. Obviously, I don't know whether people saw that, but I, I watched quite a bit of that because I was covering it for another podcast and I was wondering who the goalkeeper was at the time because I think it would be fair to say he sort of kept you in that game I know they went down to 10 men a minute from the end but he made some outstanding saves um, and that would have been Trafford and I've just double checked yeah it was so he, he really is showing a lot of form isn't he Trafford he's the clean sheet potentially due down to him Um, well he's part of it but mm-hmm. I, I say uh, Ross Sykes is uh, back this season because he, he he missed the last part of the season for injury and uh, his game has, uh, has stepped up and he's playing uh, the back three. He's playing on the right side. And and today you saw him getting forward, uh, uh, playing down the wing a, a, a little bit. So which is is nice, but because uh, he's versatile, but I think uh, he's playing well at the back and Nottingham is just steady, uh, you know, for a guy that's I think he's 33, 34. Um, he's really he's really playing at the top, at this top of his game. And, and so defend, I'd say you got to give it all back to the when I say the back four, the keeper and the back three are playing. They're all playing well together. The blocking shots, they're clearing the lines. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been a team effort at the back, and the clean sheets that they've got uh, have been earned and, and well deserved, really. It's quite interesting when you look through the the players that you've signed as well. When you talk about the experience there, because. Just giving a kind of random shout out to a, f- a few ages of players that you've brought in. You've got 20, 21, 22, 18, 18, 18, 21, 22, then 19, 19, 21, 20, 19 again. But then you've got a few players in that squad, mainly another player you brought in in the summer, Harry Pell. Obviously, he's 30. You've got Nottingham there, who's got the experience here as well. Ross Sykes is young, but he's been there for a long time. McConville as well. How much of a blend of youth and experience has, has Coleman got at the moment? Well, he's, he's as you mentioned, you you hit the nail on the head with all those young players he's brought in, and he's doing it to have competition at, uh, for every position. Um, and you know, we haven't mentioned yet uh, who's out for an injury that is really an impactful player is Joe Pritchard. He's he's been out for uh, uh, and he should be back around the same time as, as Seamus. Uh, Keneally and and then I think you'll see I think you'll see a different formation in the sense that um, I think you'll see uh, Keneally sit in front of the back three and then Pritchard go out right on the wing you've got Butcher uh, on left uh, central midfield and you're going to have Pell on the uh, right central midfield and then McConville on the uh, on the left wing uh, with the two with Bishop and Charles up front I, I think that's our best lineup and I think with if you can keep that lineup together and healthy, um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of potential. But there's as you said, there's a lot of good, a lot of youth players. I like the player that they uh, signed uh, from Leicester, Mitch Clark, that played today. Um, he's got he's got a bit of pace. He's he's got you know he's got that that sense to move the ball around. He's it's good with the pass, uh, and he can get up and down the pitch. Um, and he I thought he played well today, and I think that's another 
another good signing uh, that John Coleman seems to do that when players get out of contract um, and he's had an eye on them, he, he gets, he gets in there and, and bring, and it doesn't, they don't pay top wages, but they just give the player a place to play and to prove themselves. And that's really um, what a lot of players want. They want the opportunity and, and they're going to get that at Stanley. Quite interesting that he does have a, a certain mindset in the way that he signs players and sometimes you look at the youth and or people who've got something to prove themselves um, can end up going on playing there for a long, long time. But I, I think what I quite like about Accrington is the fact that I think John Coleman also signs players with a specific attitude towards the club. Um, I think he probably appreciates if you see some of them see it as a stepping stone. I think he does. But it's very much a, when you play Accrington, you don't feel like you're playing any specific individuals. You're very much playing 11 men together as a team. And he's quite good at knitting that team unity, which is probably Accrington's main strength, isn't it? Yeah. And you, you mentioned before Harry Pell, and they signed him right away. Uh, and Harry had other offers and he could have made more money. But he, uh, he met with the chairman and John Coleman. And, and when he left, uh, he told his agent, uh, we had him on our podcast. He's a great, great guy. And he said, uh, he said, we got to make this thing happen. He said, I just, they've got the same values I do. Um, and there's a family feel about it. And they have the same ambitions, the same goals. And, and he, he decided to sign with Stanley, which, uh, you know, says a lot about the, uh, uh, about the chairman and the club is where, where it's at now is that they were attracting players that normally they wouldn't have got. Uh, two or three seasons ago, and Harry Pell is a, is a real. I, I tell you, he's uh, he could play. He could play up front. He can score. He can defend. Um, he's a. I think he's probably if you if you want to say best signing of the season. I you gotta you, you gotta look at Harry Pell. I was going to say as well that I think that the reputation of Accrington has changed over the past few years, hasn't it? I think maybe when when Sunderland first dropped into League One, Accrington were maybe seen as the the fashionable slash unfashionable place to go that this is when you know you're in League One, a terrace and stadium and, and a team that you wouldn't expect to be in League One. But over the past few years, Accrington's gone from being maybe the novelty team that the teams look at for the away day or for the, the size of the club to suddenly being a team that it's a difficult game home or away and they've got ambitions that are above just staying in League One. Um, and that's gradually happened time and time again. You mentioned before about the positivity around the around the club because of the end of last season and obviously you've started well. But does the um the reputation of the club seem to have stepped up and ante a little bit as well from the inside? Yeah, I, I think uh I think now the club and the players and the fans uh, don't look at as a, a, a Stanley as a, a club that are trying to uh, survive in League One. Um, they now the, everybody's accepting that Stanley is an established League One team, and really, I think if you talk to more, most people, uh, most people will will have them in the top ten. Uh, some people are thinking playoffs, and you know, I I think uh, hopefully we I'd love to see them, uh, you know, in the playoffs. But when you you've got to be realistic, and you've got to look at the teams in League in League One, and uh, along with yourselves and and Portsmouth and. Uh, 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 you know Peterborough, uh, so not Peterborough. Uh, they, uh, but you know, so Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, yeah, teams that are some big, big clubs. Um, and and Lincoln, I mean, they had a, a, a good season last year, off to a tough start, and and people are expecting Wigan to do well, um, which uh, 
uh, you know, they're not doing as good as they would would like. But I think Stanley now are are being are respected around the league as a team that um, are a top a top ten team, and and um, uh, the, just because of the way they play, and and they they don't roll over anybody. Yeah, no, not at all. And and I think again that goes back to the the team ethic that I think John Coleman's very much sort of fested. I, I've never necessarily felt, I'm sure there's one that Sunderland fans can pick out, but never felt it'd be a necessarily easy game that, that Sunderland have had against Accrington since we've come down. There's obviously been the 2-2 at home on the Friday night, I think it was, the, the 3-3 last season. So, And I, I think gradually over time, you, you don't look at Accrington as a game that's one of the easier ones that you'd win against one of the lower sides. is very much a a top 10 team and obviously uh, attracting players to the club. And, and one of them that came in on deadline day was, was Ethan Hamilton who came in on deadline day from Peterborough. He made his, he made his debut today, uh, came on sort of later on, but what did you make of your, your deadline day transfers? Yeah, I liked to, I, I, I didn't mention him earlier, but you're right. He did come on today and played, uh, played well. And I liked, I liked uh, uh, the, the brief time. I haven't seen much of him before, uh, but what I saw today, um, I thought, yeah, he's definitely going to uh, help the squad. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's good business. I mean, he brought, uh, you know, the, he said after the uh, Holden match where really they played poorly, uh, there were quite a few changes and, and a lot of the bench players came in and John Coleman wasn't happy with the performance and said, that, you know, we're not good enough now and he's going to bring players in. Uh, to uh, you know, for competition, and and he did, and and he didn't just bring players in for the sake of bringing them in. He's brought players in that are going to have have an impact, like like uh, you, the names you mentioned. And yeah, I, I thought he his performance today was good, um, and uh, I think we'll see a lot more of him uh, uh, coming on. He might even get a start, depending on injuries, uh, because he certainly uh, he certainly helped handle himself well today. I think one of the, the big things for me with, with Accrington is past few seasons have been there or thereabouts and at points in the playoffs and then gradually it's, it's sort of dropped off. Last season, sort of that kind of happened, but then you got good results towards the end, which perked you back up again, but still it was just not quite enough for the playoffs. And from the outside looking in, it's always been maybe just squad strength, like good first 11, decent enough bench when you get injuries or one players get tired. There's not a great deal he can come in. I would say from the outside looking in, which is easy to do, it's probably the first time that I've looked at Acton and gone, well, it's not it's not going to suffer if that's a really, really bad injury crisis. You've got a bigger squad, I think, than than I've seen, certainly since, since we've been down here. Um, but do the fans feel like if you continue with this trajectory, if you keep winning games, if you do end up in a playoff position like you have done a couple of times around Christmas, you can genuinely make a sustained push for actually playoffs and fingers crossed, you know, in a fairy tale world even more. Yeah. I, I think last season um, uh, we did suffer when we got uh, key injuries. Um, and when uh, I, I think it gets overlooked is the importance of uh, Seamus Keneally, um, who is, uh, you know, a defender defending midfield player. Um, he, he's, he's so steady. He's not flashy that he really doesn't get a lot of, um, um, you know, hype, uh, but he very rarely makes a mistake. And, uh, he, he, you know, we're, they're missing him because he can, he's sort of the quarterback of the, what he can get the play and, and start moving it out, keep the ball on the ground and sort of spread the ball wide. And I think, um, 
when we get him back, uh, you know, I think that will push us on. But it certainly made a dip in form last season when he went down and Joel Pritchard went out. Uh, and those guys, uh, th- we've got cover this year better than last season, but still, you still want those guys to to stay on the pitch. And uh, I mean, I think I said this last year and, and the last two or three seasons, we've said this, that this is the best team that Stanley's ever had. And I'm going to say it again because each year it has got it's got better this year than it was last year. So, I, you know, I, I have to say that we're we have the best squad that we've had uh, that I that I can recall. And um, fingers crossed, uh, if we stay healthy. We can do some damage in in this league. Talk before about key players, and you, you mentioned Keneally, obviously 33, signed a new contract in the summer. Obviously, rightly experienced, and, and that is a player that you miss. But again. I can only look at statistics and occasional highlights, but it appears Matt Butcher, obviously 24 years old, so he's in a good age. He came from Bournemouth, had his first season with Akron last year. He scored as many goals this year already as he did last year. Um, it appears from the after looking in, he he started particularly well. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, he, and 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 I don't think he's he's at top form yet. Um, uh, and I think he it's just the the midfield is, is seems to change every match because of. Uh, injuries or or with players coming in, but um, yeah, I think you, when when he's um, when he's in top form, he's a he's a top player. He's a, he's a he can make a difference in 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 a match, um, and I think he'll ben- He's one of the players that will benefit from the the work of uh, Keneally work when he can spread the ball around because he's he's going to be one of the guys that's on the receiving end of uh, Keneally's passes, and then he can make he can work. He worked well with uh, Shane or with Sean. Uh, McConville down on that left side. Uh, and then as I say, I'm looking for a nice partnership with Pell and uh, Pritchard on, on the other side. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Butcher is a, is a good player. And I just think he's just a bit uh, like some of the players right now are just not, not hitting on all cylinders. Uh, but when they do, you know, as I said, he can, he can make a, he can change a game on himself. Before we go into my favourite part of the show, which is always which Sunderland players are you worried about, um, it's worth looking at formation. All of them. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> um, I think it's worth looking at formation, as always, because teams do sometimes change formations these days. It's become a lot more frequent, but I've noticed that with Stanley, it's been the same as it was last year, pretty much. You've got the the three at the back where the, the two boys on the left and the right will try and push forward, almost like secondary wing-backs. Um, and try and play through the channels as best you can and, and go along when you need to. It, do you expect much deviation from that when you come to the stadium like? No, I think he, uh, John Coleman's going with that 3-5-2 uh, formation. And um, I, 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 don't see, uh, I don't see him changing, changing that, really, to be honest with you. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a formation that they've, they've got the right personnel to fit. Um, and for you know, I mean, he, he was always a four-four-two guy. Was John Coleman, uh, but last year the players he brought in, he went he went to that three-five-two formation uh, because when he had the when he signed, uh, um, oh, I just lost his name. The guy that went tips, which we the um, uh, Burgess, oh, Burgess, yeah, yeah. And they brought him in, and then with Nottingham, I thought, well, you know, that that was a setup for a three-three set at the back. And and really has continued on, and and they seem to uh, enjoy that uh, that play uh, because you uh, and with um, McConville on the wing and and Pritchard, they they're two players that can get get up and down the pitch, 
and, and can make a difference at, uh, at both ends. So um, I don't see, I think that's a, I think you'll see the, that formation uh, uh, next, uh, when they, when they play at you guys. And I really, I, I don't see much change in that formation at all this season. He, he did want one point uh, in, a, I think it was against MK Don when they were down and they didn't play particularly well, but he did go to a four, three, three, and he brought on uh, Mumbongo with the, the two strikers up front. Um, so they could do that if they get down a goal, uh, bring on a striker and and push forward with three up front. Um, so that's the only change I would see that they could make or they would make is, is go to a 4-3-3 if they get behind. And I think that probably would have brought me on to my next question, to be fair. I don't feel like Accrington have probably ever been a side that sits back and, and hopes hit teams on the break. Certainly not in my experience since since we've played you in League One. I think he'll, he'll come to the stadium and he'll, he'll go for it, won't he, without being completely gung-ho? Yeah, it, and, and John Coleman wants to play a, a, a style of football that is pleasing to the eye. And I haven't seen his post-match interview yet, uh, but I would expect that he was not totally happy with the performance and that there was not a lot of ball, uh, you know, they didn't get a, a lot of control of the ball on the pitch. And what might have been a little bit too much head tennis for his liking and and a little bit scrappy, but he he does like to uh, um, you know play uh, play football that people like to watch and and, and I think at, at the Stadium of Light as they've done they've got they've got some uh, results when they go to your place and I I don't think I think last they they sort of got off to a poor start when they went down two nothing fairly quickly. But they regrouped, and, and to their credit, they they stayed with it and uh, come away with a point, although leaving it kind of late. But uh, I, I don't see anything less from those guys on uh, on Saturday. And and right now, as you say, it could change. But who would have thought that uh, that Stanley going in to play you guys that potentially it's number one and two in the league? Uh, yeah. it's it could be the match of the weekend. And uh, um, if if Stanley were fortunate enough to get a result. Um, I think that's going to then beating a team of, of, of the caliber of Sunderland. I think it's going to, uh, you know, raise a lot of eyebrows and, and get uh, a lot of attention for, for the club in a positive way. As I was sort of saying before, and as you just touched on there as well, if, if Burton don't beat Bolton on Monday night, which is obviously recording beforehand, it will be one versus two. It'll be at the top, top of the table clash. But I think obviously you've lost two, we've lost one, uh, which was against Burton. Supremely unlucky. Sunderland, I'll openly admit, are in very good form at the moment. Um, things are very rosy in the garden. We're very happy. Um, Ross Stewart's playing really well. McGeady is always dangerous. There's plenty of players in the side now that we feel very confident in. But it's always quite interesting when you flip that question. Uh, you mentioned before you said all of us, all of our players worry you, but if you had to pick out one or two, who would be the ones that, from what you've seen so far, would be the ones that would concern you? Well, I, I think last season I mentioned 09, and I thought I still like him as a player. Yeah. But Lyndon, Lyndon Gooch, I mean, you've got you've got quality throughout. Uh, you know, Aidan McGeady has always, always played Stanley uh, tough. And um, uh, you've... Well, I was, I was surprised that... Um, um, is it what uh, Charlie White? Was it their striker from last season? Uh, he he always played really well a, a against Stanley, um, mm-hmm. and I was surprised to see him go. Uh, but uh, you certainly haven't seemed to uh, uh, lost a step with him gone at all, really. No, I think I think any Sunderland fan listening to that will obviously remember that he 
you, people have their own opinions on it, but it appears Charlie White went to Wigan because he was offered the most amount of money. But ask any, just about any Sunderland fan, I think probably 100% would say Ross Stewart's a far superior player, obviously. Scored his first goal against Accrington last season was one of his first touches, but um, really coming to his own this year. I think if anyone's asking me the same question, I think Ross Stewart for me has been our standout so far and hopefully hopefully that continues on Saturday. But as always, um, last question to end with. I don't think we'll ever get the prediction that we got last year uh, or prediction of the result that was last year, but we're asking it early here because I'm a week in advance, but predictions for, for Saturday, Tony, how are we feeling? Well, I, I'm going to go for a draw and um, I'm going to go for a low, low scoring one for the simple fact of, of Stanley are playing really well defensively. I've only given up, uh, they've given up two goals twice, but uh, one of those was really a, a mistake that uh, very characteristic of Ross Sykes. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw um, simply uh, because we play you guys well at Stadium of Light. And I think we'll... Uh, we won't we won't sit back and defend. I think they'll have a run at you guys. And um, yeah, I, I I'll be happy if it's a one one draw. I'd love a two one win. Uh, I'd love a win against you guys. But uh, to be realistic, I I'd, I'd be happy with a one one draw. I'm not that great with my predictions, but I've already got one right this season, and I'm feeling very confident at the moment. Maybe that's because I've got a holiday due. Um, I'm going to say three one because I feel like we, I don't think we've actually beaten Akron and Stanley at home yet. I think it was 2-2 and then the COVID season and then it was 3-3, of course. So surely, surely this time is time. But but Tony, before I let you go, obviously, if there's any Sunderland fans listening to this and especially if there's any Akron fans listening to this, I've obviously kept an eye on the, the podcast since um, since we spoke the first time. Like you mentioned before, you've had Harry Pell on. You get, you get a lot of current Akron players on there, previous Akron players. It's, it's a great pod. Even I would say that myself, and I'm sure Sunderland fans and Akron fans would be interested. So, if they were wanting to listen, where can they find your your stuff, Tony? Well, we're uh, we're on www.acrossthepitch.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and and Instagram and uh, Facebook. Um, yeah, we do uh, we do uh, new player interviews, and uh, we did one over the summer that some of your, your uh, uh, supporters might li- like. Is we interviewed. Andy Holt again uh, during the summer. And uh, I mean, he's a very, uh, it's a great interview and, and he's somebody that, you know, it could be of interest to uh, outside of the Stanley fans. So if you, if people want to get, have a listen to a, a chairman, that's really transparent, give that a listen. But yeah, we do bring veterans back and uh, have the veteran series. Um, and uh, yeah, we try and do uh, one a week and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. And uh we're bringing more. We just had one um, a couple of weeks ago where we had all the fan, all the people that were on the show, the guests were U.S. based, uh, North American based Accrington supporters, which was uh, a first for us. And and so we're, we're expanding Accrington Stanley to uh, to more people in North America, which is at the end of the day, that's uh, that's what we're about. Awesome. Tony, always amazing to have you on. Really good chatting again, as always. Thanks for coming on on a Saturday, a week in advance of the game. But um, yeah, we both both men of leisure, I think. So we had things on next week, but I appreciate you coming on. And as always, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, I did. Uh, it's, I, I enjoyed it last year and, and more so again this year, Graham. It's a, it's a pleasure. And uh, you, your your podcast, you do a great job yourself. And, uh, and I mean, Sunderland... I've got some passionate fans and I see that on YouTube and I, I always get a kick out of the passion that they show for their club. 
yeah, it's been a pleasure and I, I thank you for the time, Graham. No problem at all, Tony. Thank you. Cheers, mate.